listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. What up, Tri-State area? It's your boy, do-it-all, Dupre Kelly from that legendary hip-hop group, Lords of the Underground. And I'm an ambassador for the New Jersey Devils. Right now, you're checking out Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN Radio. Hey, Larry, let them know what stories Chief rocking for the day. The Chief rocking stories right now is this Giants game that's going on. 25 17, 341 left in the game. Giants wearing their 1990 Super Bowl 25 uniforms, hosting Tampa Bay. Brady with a pair of touchdowns in the second half. And interesting, our Lewis Riddick told our morning show, you know, Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, yeah, from six to nine, what the game plan is for the Giants to keep this close and have a chance to win. There's certain things that you have to do to Tom, which is number one, I think the very first thing you have to do is you have to pressure him down the middle in his face and you have to absolutely assault the area between the guards as far as pass protection is concerned. And before they do that, they have to make sure that they slow down what is what is turning out to be an improving running game for Tampa so they can get him in second and long, third and long, where from a percentage standpoint, you know they're going to throw the football and try and take shots downtown. But if you don't move Tom and he can stand back there seven, eight yards and just stand there straight up and down like you know he likes to do, bounce on his feet and then just launch it, this game will be over quick. So if they don't if they don't move him, if you see him standing back there nice and comfortable, the game will be over. If you see him on the ground and you see him looking around like, wait a minute, then you may have a football game, provided that the Giants offense can put some points on the board against what is arguably one of the best defenses in, in the National Football League for Tampa. Well, Lewis, you are right on point, and that's just what the Giants have been able to do. They've sacked Brady twice. They've pressured him. They've slowed down the running game, and they've the Giants have been able to put some points on the board. But once again, the turnover bugaboo has hurt them. Once again, 25-17, Giants now have a third down as they try to keep the game going. Let's talk about the Jets. Quarterback Sam Darnold had an MRI on his previously injured throwing shoulder after taking a hit late in yesterday's game. Now, Adam Gase called it, quote, due diligence and precautionary in nature, but he wanted to make sure there was no chance for further damage, which raises the question, with that record, why did he come back in the game? Sam Donald appeared in his weekly segment on the Michael K show and was asked if he was pleased with the MRI results. No, it turned out really good. I mean, you know, the, the shoulder's stable, so that's good. Um, and I woke up today feeling really good. Honestly, a lot better than I thought I would. So that's a good sign. And, you know, again, we're just taking it day by day right now. Which means hopefully he'll be able to go Monday night. Also, Adam Gates mentioned that he's not waving the white flag, but as you notice, Jets continued their roster teardown when they traded Avery Williamson to the Pittsburgh Steelers pending a physical. Jets will receive the Steelers' 2022 fifth-round pick in exchange for Williamson and a 2022 seventh-round pick. Just like that, Williamson goes from the league's worst record, oh, and eight, to the best record, 7-0. and oh. After the loss, Williamson was asked, how's that Jet locker room right about now? I mean, it's tough. It's tough, definitely tough, you know, because, you know, we, we're giving it our all week to week and, you know, still coming up short. We just got to make sure we're keeping everybody together. But it's definitely tough, man, you know. Um, going in halftime, you know, we definitely – we had our mindset on, you know, winning this game. I mean, every week we, we got our mindset on the same thing, but uh, winning with the lead. So, you know, we definitely uh, were amped up, man, and, you know, just still came up short. It's tough. Really good pass from uh, Daniel Jones to Slayton on the third down play to keep the uh, Giants drive alive as they try to get a tying score with just over two minutes left to go in the game. 
Back to our top stories. In baseball, Mets made an $18.9 million qualifying offer to free agent Marcus Stroman. You remember the right-hander. He was acquired from Toronto in July 2019, went 4-2 with a 3.77 ERA in 11 starts for the Amazons late that season, then opted out of this season due to the COVID pandemic. Andy Martino, he's SNY's baseball insider, was asked, will Stroman accept the qualifying offer? I just asked him if he was going to take the qualifying offer because I didn't want to speculate. And he tweeted back at me an emoji of Will Smith as the Fresh Prince shrugging, which honestly is not n- not newsworthy. It's not a yes, it's not a no. So the way that this used to work is that I would have had this interaction with a player or their agent over text or email or phone, and I would have written something like, sources say that Stroman is considering taking the Mets qualifying offer. Now we just have the same basic news story in gift form, but but that uh, he's considering it. I, we can report that. And my whole job is to bring the public information. So, hey, that that I, I just had a feeling with Marcus that that might be the way to do it. You know, it's fascinating. And this is one of the things on how this pandemic has changed how the media works. And he's right. This was a scenario where he would have been able to call or reach out to somebody and he would have gotten a little different answer here. And you've got a number of the reporters that we've been on, has been on the show on all our shows has talked about how you don't have that personal interaction with players right now, even after the game, they're into a room, you're answering questions by zoom, uh, you know, so it's really different. Uh, to be honest, I'm not sure that he'll accept the qualifying offer right away. I think he's waiting to see who else is going to give him an offer. He loves the Mets, but I still think he has his eyes on the Bronx. I just do. Finally, is a trade package already on the table for Chris Paul? Now, I know Nick fans are like holding their heads. They're throwing their caps on the ground. Here we go with this Chris Paul thing again. And I don't know if the deal is any closer to happening than it was two weeks or two months ago. I don't know. Nor have I heard about Leon Rose saying that he's more inclined to pay what OKC is asking for than he ever was before. But... Jonathan Makery says it's rumored that Chris Paul prefers his next basketball home to be either L.A. or New York. And he was also told that there's a deal on the table that's comfortable from Sam Presti's perspective and that the ball is in Leon Rose's court. So Jay Will was on Barton Hahn today. And, you know, last week he was pushing uh, Russell Westbrook. So the guys asked him today, could CP3 work for the Knicks? I know that the contract is absurd, right? Like people are saying, well, $38 million and $40 million and $41 million. But man, like, wouldn't if you're a Knicks fan, just would you pay for credibility, right? That's what I'm saying, (laughs) right? Like, and just not that, right? Like I'm thinking long-term play with Chris. How do you groom him to be an executive with your franchise? Like, he's going in this direction, guys. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I do know that CP3 can really evaluate talent. And he's really smart, man. He sees the floor. He gets it. So as a culture piece that can be with your franchise for 10-plus years, I'm a Knicks fan. I want that DNA imprinted on the culture of the Knicks. I think we need something like that. (sighs) I'm so torn. I'm torn because I love Chris Paul as a player. I really respect what he's done. He's going to go down as one of the greatest point guards in NBA history. He is. Unfortunately for him, because of injury and his inability to have teams to get to the to the finals, he doesn't have the amount of rings that he should have. But he is a tremendous player. But And, and it's not even my money. But I just look at You heard what he mentioned? 30, 40 million a year for Chris Paul. Oh. 
how much is culture worth? I mean, I understand that you need to bring somebody in here who's going to be a person to, to change your culture, to teach players how to win. I got it. And if they were maybe a player or two away, yes, I would say, you know what? Go for it. Roll the dice. Let's get a win. Let's get a championship here in New York. I'm just torn. I really am. I don't think this is what I look at some of the bad moves that Knicks have made previously. And so while I respect the talent of Chris Paul, he's not that guy anymore. And is he better than any point guard I got? Yeah, he is. But that's not really saying much. We'll talk more about the Knicks as we get to the draft. That wraps up top stories for tonight. Thank you, Nikki. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.